0: Hello and welcome to the March 29th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's good to have everybody here with me today. And like always, I am thrilled to be there with you, if that makes any sense. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how much sense I'm going to make today. And I only say that because I'm in a different environment. And what I mean by that is I'm actually recording Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast in a completely different place, at a completely different time. This is actually uh, about 1 o'clock on, um, on a weekday in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, and very different from what I normally do. I normally do it at nighttime, but today I needed a break from work, and I came out into my parking lot, and I'm actually in my car right now, if you could envision that, and it's very upsetting to me because um, I actually lost my... 15-minute podcast. Obviously, we go a lot longer than that. (laughs) For those of you who listen all the time, you know that we certainly go a lot longer than that. But I I recorded about 15 minutes of very worthy material yesterday um, while I was at home. I actually took the day off, and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, And I, I have a Galaxy, a Samsung Galaxy. It's not a new one. It's a it's a 6S Plus, I believe it's referred to it as big, big, big guy, you know, big phone. And I recorded on that phone yesterday And uh, while I was off, and my wife and little Mickey went out food shopping. They left me home to rest and recover, and uh, while they did, I recorded the podcast, and unfortunately, I only got about 15 minutes in, and they came inside, and they were home, and I had to help with the shopping bags, and... You know, very chaotic, so to speak, in terms of, um, you know, them just arriving home. So, you know, I certainly wasn't going to continue with the podcast uh, when they first got home between the dogs and, and, you know, little Mickey on the ground who has been been walking for quite a few weeks now. So he is just he turned 11 months old on April 25th. So he's walking all over the place. Uh, which is awesome uh, April 25th that's his birthday I apologize March 25th he actually started uh, he turned 11 months old um, so anyway I recorded about 15 minutes worth of material I saved it so I thought on my Samsung I refused to close out my applications which I normally do every single day, there's a little close all button for those of you who do not know what a Samsung is, Uh, very similar to what an Apple device does where you can kind of swipe away the programs as you close them out. One of my obsessions is that I believe my phone will stop functioning properly if I leave my, um, my programs open for too long, so my compulsion and we've talked about obsessions and compulsions is to close out all of my programs well that has done a number on me over the last 24 hours and I was still able to keep that particular program open that allows me to do my podcast and sure as anything I fi- felt like I was gonna finish it up today during my work break and sure as anything I go in and it's gone um, so whatever I remember exactly what I was going to talk about. I'm going to continue talking about it today. First and foremost, I stayed home yesterday because I had the final, well, the second to final stages done for my implant tooth. For those of you who don't remember or or who have not listened to all the podcasts quite some time ago, I had my front tooth broken and kind of knocked out, so to speak, although I had... To be honest, I don't, I, I certainly believe that some of the, the damage was done in a, on a previous time. I believe that in trying to steal money from me, one of my old dentists performed a root canal that did not have to be done. And quite honestly, literally the day after that root canal was done, I never felt right on my tooth. So, but I can't, I could only imagine that what ended up happening when I did get head-butted in the mouth and bitten at the same time from a 16-year-old girl with autism, I, uh, I guess that was the icing on the cake, so to speak. And eventually I ended up having to go in to a dentist because I had gotten non-stop abscesses in that part of my front tooth, you know, the mouth up there. And ultimately had to have the tooth extracted along with a bone graft and then unfortunately a failed implant. We had placed the screw only a few short months after the extraction, and the bone just did not have enough time to heal, and the screw fell out about a month after, not even a couple of weeks after. So this time around, we waited. We waited a period of six months, so imagine that now. We have three months in, a failure, put on another six months, so now you're down to nine months, or up to nine months, of no front tooth and a flipper, and... After that, we waited an additional six months to eventually uh, get to the point that we got to today. Well, not really. Now that I think about it, what we did was we allowed six months for healing. So now we're nine months in. We implanted the screw, and then we waited another six months. Oh, my goodness. Forget it. I'm actually off. We did three months. Sorry. Three months in the beginning. Screw failed, did an immediate uh, bone graft again, and we had to wait for that to heal. This time around, we waited nine months. So now we're up to nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We're up to one full year. Then we waited an additional six months um, for the screw to basically generate into the bone. So, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 months, 18 months to get to the point where we are today, Uh, or to the point that we were yesterday, which was the final stage of preparing for that permanent tooth to go in. He reopened me up, he kind of shaved away the bone a little bit to expose the screw that had been uh, kind of implanted into the bone. And then he screws on a little abutment on the end of it, and now I am free to go to my dentist and have that molding done to finally put that permanent tooth into place. I'm sorry, guys. I'm all over the place with my times and my dates. I am just not cognitively well-equipped anymore to figure out dates and times and months and... It's just horrible what I go through. So it's been about a two-year process. I probably could have got to that a lot sooner than rambling on in a hypomanic fashion. About two years that I've had no front tooth and I'm finally at the ending stages. But yesterday, I was in a lot of pain. So I ended up taking the day off from work. And um, my uh, wife allowed me to rest a little bit, which I really didn't do much of anyway, but how could we rest? We don't do a lot of resting, especially we, when we are in mixed episodes, which is what I have been in, I have to tell you, over the last couple of days. Went from depression to um, some of that rapid cycling that Mr. Joe deals with. Nothing in full-blown mania, uh, but I do feel a little hypomanic right now, uh, as a matter of fact. Tomorrow, I will be going up to 175 milligrams in my Lamictal, and I actually finally started my Seroquel as of last night. 25 milligrams, nothing crazy, nothing major. I got to tell you, everybody, I slept like a baby. I did wake up with a tremendous headache. I have not looked at any side effects yet. I am not going to read anything because, quite frankly, anything that I do read about Seroquel is a lot of mixed reviews, a lot of stuff that... Uh, Is not very appealing in terms of when I read it, but again, everybody's got a different different cocktail that agrees with them. So I'm going to try and stay away from it this time, especially I've been getting some positive reviews on Twitter about the uh, Seroquel. So we'll see what it does. So far, it's helped me to sleep, which uh, is great, instead of waking up every hour on the hour, which is what I do. Uh, I've expressed that in the past on some of my podcasts, and I cannot express it any more diligently than I can right now. I wake up just about every hour, maximum two hours, on the dot. I am up. I am urinating. My brain, for some reason, because whether I'm always in that hypomanic state of mind, uh, it just wakes me up, and uh, although... I had a good night's sleep last night. I believe instead of waking up four or five times, I was only up twice, which is definitely progress. So thank you, Sarah Quill. I did wake up a little bit with kind of like bags under my eyes, which I normally don't have. So I don't know. I guess like anything, it'll be an adjustment. Current state of mind. I went through some depression. uh, And uh, I'm, I'm over it. I really am. And I think a lot of that was some sadness due to the fact that I had... "Quote unquote," relapsed and had those beers on Saturday, and I've been very down and very out about it, very depressed. Makes me very sad that I worked so hard only to just give it all up for one day of enjoyment. Again, I didn't get drunk. I mean, what did I get out of it, really? I mean, nothing. Took a couple of couple of hits of weed, had four beers. I guess you could say I was able to socialize a little bit better. But uh, I don't know. What, what really did I get out of it? I mean, because I wasn't able to socialize better. I was actually miserable about what I was doing the entire time. I knew I wasn't going to get drunk. So the more I did it, by beer number three, I was completely overwhelmed and anxious about the fact that I had partaken in that ridiculous series of events, which included smoking and um, drinking beers. But I do have to thank a lot of my Twitter followers and a lot of my emailers couple of you have, who have written and reached out, you've been very positive, especially uh, in my email and then one gentleman on Twitter. Um, he actually used a wonderful phrase. This guy Joe on Twitter said, soldier on. And that's what I will do. I'm going to soldier on and move past this and not worry about it anymore. And uh, as I've not worried about it, it's kind of resulted in some hypomania, which I believe was probably the true Mood that I was supposed to endure over the last couple of days, uh, and so it's come out a little bit. Now, yesterday, a couple of things went on. Uh, number one, I sat in a dental chair and prepared for this surgery, minor surgery, and something that was very disappointing. And I guess you only notice it when you got nothing better to do when you're sitting in a dental chair. Was I looked down at my left ring, I wear two rings, I wear one on. My right hand, which is a dad ring that came from uh, my beautiful children, Junior and Sarah Lee. So I wear that on my right hand. Now on my left hand, on my ring finger, I wear um, my wedding band, which is a beautiful wedding band with black diamonds in it. And it's got a series of three stones. And I noticed that the middle one was missing. So... Um, it made me absolutely sick to the point where, and I I don't know, am I the only one who reacts like this? You guys let me know. Here I am looking down and I know there's no cell phones allowed back where the surgery has taken place. I didn't care. I ripped out my cell phone. I started texting my wife. I can't believe it. I lost the diamond. What do I do? Please check for me. She tells me that she's in the bathroom and she can't check. I wanted her to check one of my drawers. Um, and you know, now I'm texting her left and right because she's taking too long in the bathroom. And in my mind, I'm trying to re-step my, you know, go back in time. And I mean, come on. I have no idea when I lost it. Well, it's, and, and you know, my wife keeps just trying to tell me it's just money. You'll get it replaced. But yet here I am like a psychopath. And please forgive me for using that word, walking around. And I'm looking at my office building now. It's three floors and a basement, so four floors. Here I am walking around an entire uh, building that probably houses about 1,000 people, maybe a little less, maybe 750. um, And and I'm walking around looking for a diamond that is not even a centimeter long, big. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to rip open sinks and look down drain pipes. And for what reason? I'm not finding it not finding it. And it's just money. So stop worrying about it. But yet I can't seem to do it. This is helping me. This talking to you is allowing me to get over it a little bit. And that's what I kind of wanted to concentrate on. Believe it or not, it's a perfect segue into what this podcast is about. And it's about therapy. It's about therapy and bipolar disorder and something that I have not done in a very, very long time. Yes, I see a psychiatrist. Okay. Psychiatric nurse for that matter. Cause I can't get in to see a psychiatrist. Nobody will accept me. One of the things I started to do was search for a therapist. And I'm also starting to realize that either one of two things, and maybe this is my paranoia once again, setting in. either. Nobody wants to see Mr. Joe because of the simple fact that he is a rapid cycler, with bipolar one mixed episodes with psychotic features, which is no joke. And they just read my emails and they say, well, (laughs) I'm not dealing with this wackadoo. Or uh, it truly is a very serious problem with the mental health world in which I just can't get a therapist. So I've kind of given up, so to speak, to be honest with you. And, and, and now what I'm thinking is that for several reasons, I think it's really important that I go back and I'm, I'm thinking that it's important for us as a podcast family to think long and hard about whether or not we are seeking therapy and what kind of help we are or are not getting at the current time when it comes to talking to somebody. So I'm going to talk myself into it and hopefully as I do that, advise you to what I think might be best for you in your life in terms of therapy and bipolar disorder. I know this. I am in no mood to recite once again my history, my life, my ups, my downs, all the nonsense that I've been through for my entire life, the hospitalizations, the medicines, the family history, we all go through it. How many times am I going to give it to a new person? So I almost feel like saying, whoever I do get, I feel like giving them a copy of my podcast collection and saying, do me a favor, read through this and get back to me when you have some free time. And then we could take it from there because I'm just in no mood, but um, I'm starting to realize that there are things that I need to talk about. There are things that I need to get off my chest. And other than the fact that I sat in that dental chair and quite possibly reacted in a way that any normal human being would react in terms of seeing a missing diamond, you know, a nice black, beautiful diamond was missing. Now I took it to the next level and I started texting and started worrying and I've been worrying for 24 hours. What's, what's not ordinary is what I went through in the waiting room before I actually went through my surgery. And I need to speak to somebody about this paranoia that I am feeling. I don't know why I feel it. I don't know if it's a true paranoia or if it's now become an OCD. And what I'm referring to is this clock stuff, where I look at the clock and I am completely convinced that somebody is either spying on me or can see into my mind. And I, it's, you know, here's the example I want to use I'm sitting in the office and As I'm waiting, I'm looking around and one of the things I noticed that literally every single person in that waiting room was doing what I was doing and I was thumbing through my cell phone. There is no human interaction anymore on this earth, especially in an office. Man, I remember going to an office and I couldn't wait to get my hands onto whatever magazine was there and whatever updated version, volume three, series 24, whatever it was, you know. I don't even see magazines in some places anymore. I didn't see any yesterday, that's for sure. Why? Because we are all consumed with technology, and I am guilty of it. I sat on my phone, and I'm thumbing through it, and all of a sudden, up on my phone, I see 819. And my heart starts to palp- uh, palpitate. excuse me. And I'm saying to myself, oh God, I can't look at this phone. It's going to turn 820. And that's the number that scares me. And I'm saying to myself, I know. So now I'm trying to talk myself into understanding that work is fully aware of where I am. They know I'm going to get surgery. So what's the big deal if they read my mind right now or read my thoughts or know where I am. But yet I still could not help myself but turn my phone over and not look. So what do I do? I turn my head to the big screen TV, another piece of technology, of course and i'm looking at the news and lo and behold the news channel has the time in the right hand lower corner so my heart started to palp- palpitate again cuz now it's 8:20 so i quickly turn my face away from the screen because i don't need people looking at me and watching me and i'm saying to myself this if anybody's watching mr joe they're gonna think i'm absolutely insane And I got to get over it. I really do. So here I am now. I'm actually trying to convince myself to look up at the numbers and say to myself that nothing bad is going to happen. And then all of a sudden, it develops into an OCD, in a sense, where I'm obsessed with the fact that people are watching me, but the compulsion is to get over it, and I'm only allowed to look at the time three times before people can read my thoughts. So I put now a limit on the number of times I'm actually able to go and view the clock. So I I, I think I need help in terms of speaking with somebody. And I don't know if Seroquel is the answer or the easy way out. I never want to view medicine as an easy alternative to something that is going on in a person's life I think you need medicine you need medicine you take your medicine but this is starting to I don't wanna say take over my life so which is why I would say to myself I need that medicine to hopefully help me but if I am actually having this battle with my brain where I'm trying to convince myself that it's okay to look at the time but then I start to put limitations on the amount of times that I look at the clock and associate certain numbers or amounts of times that I'm allowed to do things and once I exceed that time well I broke all the rules then I'm in big trouble it's almost like my step counting or counting of steps you know uh, that I discussed on my previous podcast in which I would count the number of steps and as long as I met a certain number of steps usually 100 from the place that I parked that I would not be late to an appointment or somewhere where I, I had to be. So I need therapy. And if you're doing the same things as Mr. Joe, it's safe to say that you might need some therapy too. The other thing that I wanted to mention, and I'm wondering if a therapist could help, and this is a v- very interesting thing. I just wanted to share this with my audience, is I am having some incredibly vivid dreams. Now, I'm not asking... For somebody to interpret my dreams that's not what I'm looking for necessarily but my dreams are so intense and so vivid and I don't know if any of you can there are two types of dreams that I've had in my life that I remember like they were yesterday one of them that I'll describe second Is I remember it like it was yesterday because I literally have that dream every single night of my life. I'll get to that in one second. The the first dream that I will never forget, and thank goodness it hasn't happened in a very long time, it happened when I was experiencing my severe panic attacks and, and anxiety, is I would find I'd be so exhausted. I mean, I was not able to sleep. When I was experiencing my severe anxiety, I would be awake all night long. I would only be able to shut my eyes upon it no longer being dark and the sun starting to come up for some reason I would feel safe once the sun would rise in the morning and then I would sleep the day away like a depressed person with bipolar disorder but all throughout the night I would stay up I would I would have panic attacks all night long but when a person is so exhausted sometimes you can't help but nod off. And I would nod off every once in a while and I would immediately have, as soon as I would fall asleep and start to nod off, I would have these horrifying dreams as if I was falling if I was dying, if I was running and I couldn't get somewhere and it would immediately wake me up and it would be like a cyclical effect where I would just be back into a panic attack. I don't know if you can associate your dreams with that in terms of your panic disorders or your anxiety, but that's something I used to deal with. Don't deal with it anymore, but what I do deal with, and I looked it up and it it kind of, I, I, I don't even remember what it meant. So I'm not even gonna tell you what I found because it didn't mean a whole lot to me. But one of the things that I dream about all the time, and I've been dreaming like this since I'm a child, and this is every night, is I am flying. (laughs) Uh, Mr. it's Super Mr. Joe, okay? Super Mr. Joe is flying all around town. I don't get, I, I go from place to place, point A to point B, by flying. Sometimes I will carry people with me. They'll either be on my back or I'll hold on to them and they'll be adjacent to my side. But for the most part, I fly to everywhere that I go. Have there been times where I try to fly and I'm not successful? Very far and few in between, almost like that running dream where you're trying to run and you're not going anywhere and I don't know if anybody can relate to that. If you can, then great, you know, you know exactly what I'm saying here. And if not, it's a horrible dream to have that dream where you're trying to grab something or reach for something and you just can't get it. And the dream won't allow you to do so no matter how much you try. And I I mean, sometimes I would wake up and, and, and try to force myself to go back to dreaming so that I can complete the process in which I was failing at. Uh, but for the most part, with my flying, I don't fail at that very often. I am just flying. And when I tell you, I am soaring like a bird, literally super Mr. Joe Birdman. Okay. Flying around Uh, the sky and I am high up there, man. So do I think a therapist is really going to interpret my dreams? No, but maybe I'll find one. That might be able to guide me and tell me, you know, why I am dreaming like this. I would imagine. I've never expressed this to one of my therapists before, so maybe it's time to look into one and see what they have to say. Um, The other thing that has been happening to me, and I've started to realize that this is, without a doubt, a warning sign and something that I left out of my mania warning signs because I never really realized that it was happening and again I would have to check with a therapist or a psychologist to see uh, if this uh, if this is actually accurate because what I am starting to realize is that when I become nostalgic over certain things it's usually an indication that I am stepping into hypomania and I just started to realize that. And I don't think I'm off on this one, but again, i got to seek therapy and see if that's the case. Um, if, for those of you who are not certain what nostalgia is, and I don't have a textbook definition um, in front of me, but it's this delightful, or I guess the good word to use would be wistful. It's a, It's a wistful desire to return to some previous thought or a fact to a former time in your life. Uh, Your homeland where you were born, or where you remember growing up, some of the family that you used to reminisce with or spend time with, Um, friends, old friends that you used to hang out with and have a good time, or I guess you could call it like a sentimental feeling, a yearning, a sentimental yearning for the happiness of a former place and time. That's the way I define it and I hope that helps you. And I think we all experience nostalgia probably on a weekly basis, I would think. I don't know if I do, but I'm thinking most people do on a weekly basis. I don't know if I if I experience on a weekly basis because I'm not always in any kind of hypermanic mode. For me, it's more of an indicator that I'm stepping into hypomania. And what I realized yesterday and just so you know, Mr. Joe is uh, giving you an accurate description of where I was and what was going down for that particular time, is I actually happened to be in my bathroom, not urinating this time. <laughs> A lot of times I feel like I share that I'm urinating with everybody, and I apologize for that, but I was getting ready to brush my teeth. And b- before brushing my teeth, I started to think about the time in terms of daylight savings time. And I got this nostalgic feeling in which I remember back to being a little kid and how good it used to feel when the spring and summertime would come in Mr. Joe's neighborhood and it would be extremely late before it got dark. And all of a sudden I started to smell the air around me and even though I'm in the bathroom, I'm actually able to smell the nature and the trees and everything that it used to be like I'm thinking back to Mr. Joe's childhood and when I used to play Manhunt. For those of you who don't know what Manhunt is, who are not 42 years old like Mr. Joe, it was a game of hide-and-seek in which you played with all of your buddies and, you, you know, the girls, the guys, and you would search for one another and, you know, we'd hide. and It was a hide-and-seek game with a group of people. And here I am now becoming nostalgic about the fact that I was off in the summer, there was no school, and it was late, probably 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, and the sun is still out, and the weather's warm, and I'm smelling the trees and the breeze, and uh, it's amazing, because it, it was legitimately right there with me. And then, what starts to happen is Mr. Joe starts to get a tinge of sadness. Not that I don't love my life, because I do. I love everything about my life, and I would never want to change it. And I believe with that definition of nostalgia that I gave you, I have to believe that part of that definition, there is an included piece of nostalgia that goes along with it. I would imagine that to be the case. Um, so, yes, Mr. Joe would potentially get sad after that feeling of nostalgia. And again, I guess that goes along with it. I'd like to know from a therapist, I guess, is that something that is accurate? Is it, is it normal to all of a sudden feel nostalgic about something? And then a short time after that, start to experience hypomanic symptoms because that's what I feel like. I got to tell you guys, and I do not express this very often in a podcast I feel like a lot of times I will discuss my depression but if I'm feeling a certain way during a podcast I try my very best not to talk about it in great detail too much I am actually extremely hypomanic and I'm not sure if you can tell by my voice I'm trying to slow down a little bit as I speak but it's almost as if like I'm ready to stumble over my words Uh, I'm extremely elated, extremely happy, extremely positive. I've been extremely productive at work, which is very interesting. Uh, That's something else that goes on with hypomania with Mr. Joe. And, you know, so here I am, I'm hypomanic and I'm wondering what's going to happen here. I'm wondering, I mean, I almost have this, this, this heartbeat sense where my heart is palpitating and I'm just, I don't know what to do next. I don't know if I want to shop. I don't know if I want to, you know, go home and make love to my wife. I I don't know what to do. Um, So that's why I guess I'm sitting in a car right now and I'm conducting Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Maybe this will keep me safe. This hopefully sit in the, you know, the confines of Mr. Joe's car, Mr. Joe's Nissan Sentra. And hope to God that this keeps me safe. And then as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to venture back into the office and get some work done and stay safe. Because, you know, like anybody else with bipolar disorder, this can turn into something devastating. And I don't want that to happen. I definitely am going to have to keep you posted. I have to also wonder, is this an after effect of the Seroquel? Is this something that might take place because of the Seroquel? I'm only one dose in. So I don't think that's something that would have an effect on Mr. Joe. But with that being said, I mean, if it was able to knock me out the way that it did, why wouldn't it have like a little after effect? You know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to look too far into it. There is one other thing that I wanted to share with my Suboxone listeners. For those of you who are on Suboxone or plan on coming off, I found some very interesting information. Lefexidine. Uh, lofexidine, lofexidine or lofexidine. I'll spell it for you. L-O-F-E-X-I-D-I-N-E. It is something that is not FDA approved as of yet, but the FDA board, from what I understand, is backing this particular medication. It is a non-opiate medication. And from what I understand, it is something that is extremely beneficial and helpful when you are coming off opiates I would have to assume as well that would refer to suboxone and what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to ease the withdrawal symptoms when you come off an opiate so it's something that I would really hope that everybody looks into and you know I'm gonna keep you posted everybody on it again I don't think it's FDA approved I don't know much about it I just know that it was tweeted to me yesterday And I retweeted it. If you like to go take a look at Mr. Bipolar Joe is my Twitter handle. So you could check that out. There's a big article on it right on my Twitter. Again, it's Lefexidine or Lefexidine. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. So something worth noting. I continue to drop in my Suboxone. And just so you can understand, the Lefexidine... From what I believe, it's very similar but almost better than something known as Clonidine. And don't mistake that with Clonopin, everybody. As a matter of fact, there are people that do take Clonidine as well it actually happens to be a blood pressure medication and when i say take it as well i mean for anxiety it's a non-addictive type of thing and really what it does is it lowers your blood pressure a little bit uh Preparinol, i believe was something that was similar as well which absolutely did not agree with me at all but clonidine a lot of times is prescribed to people who are withdrawing and going some of those through some of those horrific withdrawal symptoms you know, for me, I don't know if any of that stuff would work because really I'm a pretty tough guy when it comes to the nausea and the throwing up and all that stuff. I'm able to get through that stuff, the aches and pains. For me, it's the anxiety and the uh, depression that really does a number on me, and I don't think any of that stuff will work on, um, on the anxiety and the depression. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to do, Uh, I wanted to make mention that my psychiatrist had actually reached out to me when I had told her about some of my symptoms, she actually recommended a new medication to me. And I am going to deny it because I think that we are going down the same road that I once went down where I am starting this cocktail of medications all too quickly and all too much at once. Something called Latuda. I've never been on it. I don't know a lot about it. If anybody has any information on it, please reach out, Mister BP at Yahoo.com, and let me know what you think. Um, Give me some of your stories about Latuda. As a matter of fact, if you have any stories about any medication at all that you'd like to share, please reach out, do so. Uh, I plan on doing a podcast about medications uh, in great detail again. And with that being said, I owe everybody a podcast on benzos, bipolar and benzos. That is going to be coming up very shortly. I promise you that I've gotten a lot of requests for that. I just kind of stayed away from that one mainly because I wanted to share some of this, these experiences. I figured my dental visit would tie into, um, my therapy, so to speak. And, um, with the Benzos also, I'm I'm still on the fence in how I want to present that to my audience because while it is a very addictive drug, not everybody who takes a benzo is A, an addict or B going to abuse it. And C, for many people with bipolar, things like xanax and clonopin, they're absolutely lifesavers. Uh, so uh, I got to be very careful in how I present that information, and which is why I've kind of put a hold on that. Uh, but we will be doing it. We haven't done a, a benzo 101 so we will certainly be doing that uh, no doubt about it nevertheless mr joe can be reached at at mr bipolar joe on twitter or you could contact me mr joe bp at yahoo.com i want to thank everybody f- so much for taking this podcast journey with me Hold on thank me you again for listening to mr joe's bipolar podcast as we roll down this unfamiliar road